Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Thursday, January the 11th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And we're starting with more on the post office horizon scandal, as the government says it's working to overturn all convictions as quickly as possible. Yesterday, the Prime Minister announced a new law that'll automatically pardon everyone who was prosecuted using evidence from a flawed IT system. It's all been brought into the spotlight after an ITV drama highlighted the plight of former postmasters and mistresses and their fight for justice. But there are some concerns over this new law. Bernard Richmond is a professor of law at the University of Kent. I think it's the government trying to jump on a bandwagon, to be entirely honest. The, I have real concerns about government, this government in particular, thinking that legislation is a way to bypass a court process. And I'm not going to get into Rwanda, but that's a very good example. And when you look at this, what they're saying is let's bypass the courts. Let's create an act of parliament. Well, frankly, it's not needed. There have already been appeals which have been heard. There was the Hamilton, the big appeal in 2021, when 39 appeals were allowed. There is a system, if you look at the CCRC, Criminal Cases Review Commission website, which says, if you are one of these people, how do you appeal? The system is actually set up to cope with speedy appeals if they're necessary. I read a comment yesterday from Lord Justice, uh, forgive me, Lord Thomas, who was the previous Lord Chief Justice. He said, well, the courts can deal with this very quickly. There are lots of judges who are retired, but who are allowed still to sit, who can come back and hear the appeals. The, The truth is, if you have a system where you know that the appeals are going to be allowed, then the material's already there. You don't need legislation. And also, it's important to note that there were three appeals in Hamilton which were not allowed because they didn't depend on the horizon system. And, of course, one of the things the government's not thought through is that if they pass blanket legislation, everybody is going to be allowed to be um, have their appeals overturned. Now, arguably, is that is that right? Though it seems to me we should not be bypassing a system of appeals because somehow the government wants to be seen to be popular. And by the time the Act gets through and everything's been done, realistically, is it going to be much quicker? I don't think so. The public inquiry into the post office scandal has also resumed following a break over Christmas. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today, and this is one of the most read on the website. A 22-year-old who died in a crash in Chatham has been described as a loving and devoted dad. Well, Kate has more on this story for the podcast. Scaffolder Liam Dixon passed away last week after the motorbike he was riding collided with a car as he travelled home from work. It happened on Rochester Road near to the junction with Laker Road. Liam's mum, Michelle, has now paid tribute, telling Kent Online he was generous and would do anything for anybody. She's also revealed he'd planned to run his own scaffolding company and buy a house. Liam lived in Eccles near Aylesford and leaves behind a two-year-old daughter called Daisy. On the website, you can see the floral tributes, balloons and photos 
photos that have been left at the crash site. Police are still investigating and want anyone who saw the collision or either of the vehicles beforehand to contact the witness appeal line, which is 01622 798538. Incredibly sad. Thank you ever so much, Kate. Two firefighters have been checked over by paramedics after a car crashed into a fire engine as they responded to another collision on the M20. Crews have been called to the coastbound carriageway between Junction 1 for the Swanley Interchange and 2 for Rutum just before 9 this morning. They rescued one person who was also treated by ambulance crews. Now, after days of wet and freezing weather, there are fears it could lead to an increase in the number of potholes on Kent's roads. It comes as the number of reported potholes has almost trebled in two years and is now at more than 5,500 across the county. Well, Neil Baker is the Cabinet Member for Highways at the County Council and he's been speaking to Gabriel from our colleagues at KMTV. It's winter, we've got the gritters out, we're at a nine-year high of pothole reporting. It's very cold, it's very wet. We've got the perfect conditions where it is at the very worst. So I'm not happy with the roads. Um, I'm happy that we have people out there on a constant basis in all weathers reporting, acting upon the inquiries we get. Um, I want to see the roads better. They will get better. At the moment, they're not like where I'd like them. Do you think previous people who have been in your position, previous highway teams, have let Kent's roads slip to a, to a, a state they are in now? I think all of my predecessors have had to act within the financial boundaries they've had. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I would love to have you know, hundreds of millions to put the roads right, but um, we've got to be realistic. If we were here as nothing but a highways authority doing nothing but roads, that'd be one thing. But of course, we are part of a much bigger organisation with their own financial pressure, so we don't have unlimited pockets of cash, unfortunately. You have had um, some money coming in from central government. Is that going to help things on Kent's on Kent roads? Well, I think there's two ways to look at that. Well, we've got 130. Uh, 4.5 million over 10 to 11 years, which starts in April. It's mainly backloaded, so there's more money in the later years than the first years. But to put it into context, to get our roads into a position we would want, what our residents would want, would cost about 700 million at the moment, um, as it is now. What is very useful, though, is knowing we have a longer-term funding plan, so we can actually look at more than year by year, um, you know, going from one pole season to the next. We can start looking at investing in new technology. So there's much more chance of getting these jobs done the first time without having to go back when uh, there are problems. Our uh, LDR reporter last week found that there has been an increase in the amount of claims in the past um, three or so um, years. Will that number start to go down in the next couple? Um, ideally, yes, but of course I wouldn't want to predict things. It's very difficult. Uh, we're operating in a system now where historically we've been able to rely quite closely on the cold winters, but then the warm, long, dry summers. As we saw last year, we had a bad winter again. Then we had a wet summer, which means that that peak time when we should be doing lots of the work and catching up, we really couldn't, um, because there's only so many conditions where you can put down the tarmac and so on. So hopefully, but of course we do have to continue to adjust to live with the new climates that we have. We had some days and some weeks of dry weather though. Absolutely, but not as many as we'd like. Um, we can only work when we work, you know, we can't go putting out um, hot tarmac in rain because we would just be going back wasting time and as I always say to people perhaps the only thing more frustrating than coming across lots of potholes is one down your road being filled 
and then a week or a month later it having to be repaired again. That's just a waste of everybody's money. And the Kent Online podcast has been told £50 million is now being spent on additional contractors and new technology. Kent Online reports. A man's been found guilty of abducting a young boy in Folkestone before attacking him in his car. Nigel Hawkins asked the 12-year-old for directions to a curry store before telling him to get in the vehicle. The 73-year-old from the Green is due to be sentenced in April. Police investigating a disturbance in Broadstairs that left a man with a broken leg have charged a 43-year-old. Emergency crews were called to Yarrow Close on Monday where witnesses said the victim had been hit by a car following a fight. Two teenagers have been bailed while a man's due in court next month. A high street restaurant in Whitstable has been ordered to tell customers to keep the noise down following complaints from neighbours. Alaturka was accused of breaching their licence and was subject to a review by Canterbury City Council. The owners have been instructed to put up signs urging diners to leave quietly and respect those living nearby. Now the Prime Minister has been asked to step in following concerns for the future of the Gravesend to Tilbury Ferry. A consultation is currently underway as council bosses consider whether they can afford to keep subsidising the service. The MP for Thurrock, Dame Jackie Doyle-Price, asked a question in the Commons and got a response from Rishi Sunak. Passengers have been crossing the Thames between Tilbury and Gravesend in my constituency since 1307, but the current ferry service is currently under threat due to withdrawal of local authority funding. With so many people using that ferry service to come to work in Tilbury docks and the incumbent... Uh, expansion of the Thames Freeport. Would my right honourable friend encourage the local authorities to do all they can to make sure that we take full advantage of the opportunities by a new contract for this service and perhaps looking to expand that as a way of getting more people to work in the new jobs being created? Well, my uh, honourable friend is right to highlight that the Tilsbury to Gravesend ferry service does form an important part of the local transport services provided by local authorities. Obviously, those funding decisions are for the councils required, but I would encourage them to consider the importance of cross-river transport, as highlighted by my honourable friend in her local community, and do that as part of their upcoming local transport planning. Kent Online reports. Next today, we're going to be hearing from a couple from Ashford who've officially launched a charity following the death of their baby son. This is a really tragic story that we've covered quite a lot on the podcast in the past. Nine-month-old Oliver Steeper choked at a nursery in September 2021. His parents have set up a foundation in his name to provide free anti-choking devices to nurseries, preschools and childminders across Kent. It's called Life Vac and Lewis and Zoe Steeper have visited Little Acorns Nursery to show staff how it works. And they've been telling our reporter Oliver about the terrifying moment they had to use the device on their other baby son just before Christmas. Jake, um, we didn't know at the time he had COVID, um, so his temperature spiked rapidly. Um, Zoe then gave him some cowpaw, at which point he then went into a, a feeble convulsion where he started fitting. Um, he then, what we believe, we choked on the cowpaw. Um, so I then used screens <laughs> like I've, nothing I've never heard before. Um, I ran down the stairs because um, he, he, he had turned grey. I couldn't hear him breathing, his chest wasn't moving. Ran downstairs, grabbed a life pack, assembled it, one application onto Jake, and the cowpaw came flying out. Um, and thankfully, he started breathing again and regained his colour. Um, it was just phenomenal. And you know, we never thought we had one at home. We never thought we would use it. We would be the ones that would be using it. No. And um, 
it's not something that I would want to do ever again. Um, however, it's shown us just how simple it is to use and it's kind of added um, that even more of a personal touch to this now. It's made it real. Yeah. And it's, it's given us a drive now to, to carry on doing this and, and make sure every child is hopefully protected, you know, for when first aid has failed and in a choking emergency they get another shot. Yeah. Because now you know it can save a life. Yeah, exactly that, yes. Yeah, we, we knew that already, but yeah. then seeing it firsthand, yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, the, the numbers that this device is saving is just going up and up on a daily basis. You know, I get regular emails from Matt at LifeVac saying, you know, oh, we saved another nine lives today, and I think it's incredible, absolutely incredible, how this little device is just, you know, where first aid hasn't worked, and it's saving a life for something so simple. It's amazing. So how does it feel being here today, seeing all these um, all these people from across the county coming here to be trained on how to use um, the airvac today? <laughs> I think it, it's incredible. It's exhilarating to see all these people that are actually taking it on board, and everyone has now dislodged, um, you know, an obstruction on on the training device. Um, it, it shows it works, and they're all super keen now to, to have that in their settings. It's amazing. It's very humbling to have all of these people come out and support us and um, be part of Oliver's legacy. It's, um, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's emotional. It's amazing. It really is. Because obviously, sporting nurseries and early care so far, what's, it, what's been the scale of this going forward? There is no limit, um, you know, once we've looked at schools, preschools and nurseries where we are now, um, we moved, you know, to, to, to junior schools, senior schools, care homes, wherever there's an adult, there's a, or a, wherever there's a human in fact, there's a, a possibility of choking, so these devices need to go everywhere, um, and that's, that's our aim, you know, just raise as much money as we can, hopefully we can get businesses on board, um, and just keep going and going and going. Um, it's an amazing bit of kit and it's so simple to use and it's so effective. Thank you so much to Lewis and Zoe for chatting to us. You can also read their story on the website today. Around 800 cannabis plants have been found being grown at an industrial estate in Dover. Police made the discovery after being called to a warehouse in Poulton Close. Electrical equipment had also been rigged up, which was disrupting the regular supply. So far, no one's been arrested. A decision's due to be made tonight on plans for a new Lidl on Sheppey. The company was given permission to build a store at Cowstick Corner in Queenborough last July, but supermarket rivals Tesco and Aldi launched an appeal to challenge the ruling. A Kent shopper says he's been put off trying to be environmentally friendly after finding insects in his rice from a fill-your-own-grain dispenser. Brad Burnett stopped at M&S at Bluewater last week and didn't notice the weevils running around in the bag until he got home. He's been given a refund and a £10 voucher. Kent Online News. Frustrated villagers near Ashford calling for Royal Mail to unlock a forgotten post box that's been sealed for three months. People in Smarden say elderly neighbours in particular have been left unable to send their mail as other sites are too far away. Now the new box has replaced a 50-year-old one that fell down a few months ago. Parish Councillor Brian Bristow has been speaking to reporter Chantal Weller. It's a new post box. It, the old one had a wooden post and it fell down in April 2023 and it was replaced in October last and it's still closed now here in January so that it's unusable. Our borough council, Kaylee, has been kindly contacting them to try and get them to recognise that this box is closed 
and uh, I gather they've now put it in their system, but it's still not been opened. Yeah, and that was last week? Um, yes, since Christmas. So tell me how this is affecting residents. You mentioned one neighbour is unable to post their letters. Because yes, obviously a lot of residents live round here at this end of the village. Our village post office and community store is at the far end of the village next to our village hall, which is quite a walk from here. So this post box is needed by the local residents, some of whom are elderly. And clearly it is frustrating for them that they can't use it. Do you have any idea when it might be unlocked or is it sort of a guessing game? No, after this length of time, it would just be a wild guess. Royal Mail have sent us a statement about this. It says the box was replaced recently. We're waiting for a barcode and time plate that was ordered yesterday. So that was Wednesday. Once they are in place, the box will be back in service. Elsewhere, villagers say they're confident of being able to buy a Kent pub, which featured in episodes of ITV drama The Larkins. So far, they've managed to raise £300,000 in a to purchase the Swan on the Green in West Peckham. They're hoping to get another 250000 from government. Now, a musical family from Faversham have released a new song to show support for victims of the Post Office Horizon scandal. the Marsh family who rose to fame you might remember with a song about lockdown way back in 2020 as you heard their new track is to the tune of Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero you can see it in full by heading to the website Greece and Turkey have been named as the top holiday destinations for people in Kent this year data from travel agents TUI shows lots of us are already booking a summer getaway Spain, Egypt and Mexico were also in the top 10 and a Kent dad who became a YouTube fitness phenomenon is set for a new challenge this weekend as a gladiator. Matt Morsia from Hythe will make his debut as legend in the reboot of the hit TV series. The first episode will be on our screens on Saturday. Kent Online Sports. Tennis and Kent's Emma Rajikanu will play America's Shelby Rogers in the first round of the Australian Open. The 21-year-old from Orpington is coming back from an eight-month break after having surgery. The tournament starts in Melbourne on Sunday. And a Kent athlete is hoping to follow in the footsteps of Olympian Lizzie Arnold and become the next skeleton champion. Isabella Fasnage from Sevenoaks has been selected to represent Team GB in the 2026 Winter Olympic Games, something she describes as a dream come true. With a 20-year-old, has been telling us how she got into the sport and how she felt about being selected to represent her country. So I started with Tombridge Athletics Club and I was doing athletics there and then I heard of the Girls for Gold scheme which is like how I got into skeleton. Um, so then I applied to do this Girls for Gold scheme and I trialled up in Bath a lot of it was because that's where we train now and then after a few, like a good two, three months um, I then got selected to go to Norway for a confirmation camp and then from there, I got selected onto the team. When I applied to do it, I absolutely had like no idea about what I was getting myself into. Um, I've always been a bit of a speed freak and loved the adrenaline. 
as well as being quite a, just a determined um, athlete. And that kind of was one of the traits that GB saw in me to like get me in this process. But yeah, it's kind of just, I just love speed. And <laughs> as I got more and more into it, I realised how cool this sport was. I, like, it's like a roller coaster, but 10 times better. And then you have to put in the element that you're controlling the sled as well. So if you mess up, it's on you. Oh. <laughs> it's not like Thought Park. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not like Thought Park at all. No, no, it looks incredible. But now, now you've been selected for the Winter Olympics. Tell me, when did you first hear the name Lizzie Arnold and realise that you could potentially be following in her footsteps? I have a very vivid memory of her coming through on her bus after she just won a gold. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of her. But at that point, I didn't know that it was for Skeleton. I kind of just knew that this was an amazing lady who was from Seven Oaks that had won a gold medal. And then obviously, as I got into Skeleton, I understood that Lizzie Arnold did Skeleton. And it's really inspiring to have someone like Lizzie Arnold, who's a two times gold medalist, come from Seven Oaks as well. Oh, it's incredible stuff. I mean, how, how did you feel yourself being chosen to, uh, you know, represent the whole of Great Britain? It's quite a surreal feeling. It's kind of something that, like, in your dreams, you're kind of like, oh, my gosh, one day maybe I'll be an Olympian. Um, but for me, that's actually a reality if everything goes to plan. So it's, it's, it's a feeling like, you no, know, whether the excitement and the joy that you feel once you get selected and then coming through the programme and doing the training and then like you get to travel to all these amazing countries doing what you love it's just it's it's just great really <laughs> all the very best to isabella well that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook x instagram tiktok and threads you can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing to sign up to that you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk and don't forget if you are on the website today you can check out our latest eat my words food review news you can trust this is the kent online podcast